Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm RiderFlex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the RiderFlex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. So, Radu, you're uh, you're in Munich today, huh? You're in Germany. You're traveling around. You're meeting clients, or you're meeting candidates, or both. Uh, today, clients. Well, um, but that that being said, in our job, right, clients become candidates. Candidates become clients. So we should never be that specific to say that it's only a client. But uh, specifically for today, the purpose of my meeting in Munich is to take on a, a board. Uh, uh, job and discuss in more detail what type of profile of a candidate they want. So happy to be here with you. Thanks for the invitation as well. Yeah, you bet, man. Nice to meet you. How many languages do you speak? Uh, <laughs> I think there's a joke that I am I am silent in all of them. Um, so um, I, speaking is a, a Romanian, obviously my, my mother tongue, English. And then I kind of have some broken Spanish, Italian and French in me. And uh, but I can comprehend quite well uh, Italian, okay. French, and, and all, right. Uh, all right. So if you're at a, if you're at a restaurant and the waiter's kind of talking about you behind your back, you you know. <laughs> In those three languages, yes, I would. Yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> where so tell us about your childhood and family and where you grew up. Give me a little early history, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, well, communist Romania. That's where I grew up the first six years. Yeah, until. Um, you know, we had a we had a revolution. Um, and more specifically, I grew up in the countryside, so I don't know I don't know what what your background is, Steve. But good old days where you, um, at least in, in in Romania, you grew up with your grandparents on a farm. Well, farm is perhaps an overstatement, right? They had two chickens, well, maybe ten chicken, two cows, two pigs, um, all that kind of stuff, right? You work the garden uh, at a young age, and you know you have fun uh, playing in the dirt and not much toys and all those good stuff. So right, I remember right. fondly. I hated it at that time, but I remember fondly now. And then um, you get to dig in the garden and you get to plow the field and you get to clean after the animals and all that good stuff. So that's kind of where, where I started. And then, um, you know, um, spent most of my uh, most of my school uh, graduated in Romania. And then I kind of left and uh, life took me in all sorts of directions. Did you have uh, uh, did you have siblings? And tell me what, what did your mom and dad do or did you live with your, or your grandparents raised you? Give me some history there. Yeah, no. So my my father is a university professor. Um, huh? No, so just uh, up till uh, up till kindergarten, I was with my grandparents, which was I think four or five, and then I went to the town. Whatever, it's a fifty thousand people the town, and uh, and I went to kindergarten. So yeah, no, my 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 mother is an, was a nurse, and my father is a university professor, and then you know, kind of mid class, I guess, okay. Um, okay. Romanian. Okay. And I okay. have one brother. One brother. Okay. All right. Very good. And were you the good kid, the bad kid, the rebel? Where, where were you? Were you in the middle? What, did you get in trouble? What, give me, what kind of kid was Radu? Oh, look, I, I think, so I'm the older one. So I think by and large, well, there's no, I guess, I, I don't know if there's a pattern, but by and large, the older ones tend to be a bit more the responsible ones, right? And then uh, tend to, tend to, I don't know. Anyway, so, um, and, um, and yeah, I, I, I was, I guess, the one that was quite okay in school and was quite okay with a lot of things. My brother, 
I think he had it a bit easier and there was a lot less expectations and a lot more slack <laughs> that was cut for him. So, uh, so in that sense, I think I was, uh, but nah, n- neither of us were really rebels yeah, in that sense. So I think we're mostly okay kids. Um, no, okay. no big, no big, no big drama in our families. Uh, nobody turned out to sell drugs at the corner of the street. So that's a good thing. As well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay, all right, very good. And why psychology? Did did you know what you wanted to do when you went to school? Go, give me a little history there. I don't know any. I don't know too many people that do know what they want to do when they go to school. To be honest, Steve. I mean, I. <laughs> I think that's that's one of the problems that we have with our education system. Like, who the hell in the right state of mind knows at 18, 19, 20 right. what they want to do in life? Like, I still don't know, and I'm 37. And, uh, well, I have a better idea than I, I had when I was 18, but I don't know too many people that know what they want to do. And um, I, I actually started, and I went into computer science first, uh, because, you know, Romania, you might know, it's oh. a very... Uh, a lot of a lot of geeks, a lot of uh, very good software programmers, a lot of very good hackers come from that side of Europe, Eastern Europe, Romania, Russia, and all of that. And uh, you know, my parents thought that it's a good idea to take up that because you know I will have a good life, a good job, a good income. And uh, and I did that. So I I I went to uh, and it was a very tough admission. I don't know, it's like a, a huge competition to get into really? the computers. Yeah. I see. Okay. It still is. It still is. It's one of the best universities in Romania, and um, and I got in, and then one year later, I realized, but I don't like this. Like, I mean, it's like uh, I am not the type of guy that just sits and programs stuff, right? So I really am not. And then, uh, yeah, I quit, and uh, still, I didn't really know what I was doing, but you know, I kind of liked all the sales psychology, this kind of stuff. So then I said, okay, let's try psychology. So I, yeah, I ended up graduating psychology. Okay. And then, uh, did you fall into recruiting and how did you, how did the, how did you, you know, a doorway, a turn left, right? How did you kind of get into it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's more like a door slapped me in the face, but, uh, I mean, you're a recruiter, right? So I don't know anybody that, that, that's about five, six, seven and says, you know, you ask the kid, what do you want to grow up uh, to be? And then the kid says, I want to be a recruiter, right? I don't know anybody. I mean, you might say you're a policeman or a fireman or whatever, right? But you're not going to say that you're going to be a recruiter, yeah? So That's right. Um, so, no, I mean, it was completely accidental. And um, I was I was working for Monster.com, which is the used to be quite a good one now it's kind of going uh, not so good but um so i was working for that 10 years ago and i sold monster as a database of candidate database to this firm that was just opening up in singapore morgan phillips and uh, and then they said look we are we are coming here we're expanding aggressively in asia i want to join us and i said but what, what do you guys do and what is this even it's like oh yeah, no come come because you're good at sales like we can see that and you're good at relationships so come so I, you know, they gave me a better salary. In all honesty, that was my main criteria. And I said, okay, fine. Look, I mean, how hard can it be? Well, I came to realize that it's freaking hard. <laughs> <laughs> Especially moving to Singapore, right? Did you have to move to well, Singapore? Well, I was, I, was, I was there already. So I was there already. Oh, but, okay, uh, okay, okay. but to give you a sense of proportion, yeah, in Singapore, which is a 5 million, 6 million population uh, yeah. town, uh, city, you have 4,000. 4,000 individual recruitment entities. So there's about 20, 30, 40,000 recruiters as individuals working for those 4,000 entities. 
And as you know, now we can claim all that we want, but as you know, Steve, recruitment is by and large a people business and it's not, nobody has some sort of artificial intelligence that gives them the edge over all the rest, right? So ultimately, you know, if you have a phone, you can claim that you're a recruiter. And, um, you know, that, that's, that was my reality, right? So I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but yes, I, I would say that over time, luckily I didn't quit the first six months, even if I wanted to, 20,000 times. And over time, we have built, uh, now it's 10 years yeah, that I've been doing this. Uh, we have built a very strong expertise, again, by accident. I never just, I, well, I never wanted to be a recruiter or thought about it. Secondly, I never even knew supply chain or logistics, which is our specialization for the last 10 years. But again, because my first client was in that industry, D.B. Schenker, I, um, I ended up to specializing, digging deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And now I can, I can confidently say that we are indeed a specialized boutique focused recruiter in supply chain and logistics. Did you, were you married at the, are you married now? Family partners, relationships? Are you, were you married then when you give me, give me some personal history there. If you don't yeah, mind. Married, uh, married. I was, I was, when I uh, started in recruitment, I was married. Uh, I've been happily married for, uh, yeah, for quite a while since 2009, actually. So it's been very 13 good. years and uh, two kids as well in the, in the process. Okay. Very good. Okay. So, did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? I'm assuming as man, are, are you the founder of Alcott Global, primary owner, majority owner? Can you give me some history on ownership and founder? Yeah. One of them. One of them. So we, we have a partnership agreement, right? So there's, there's a couple of partners in the firm and I'm one of them. Um, all of us share a, a commonality is that we are all specialized within the space of logistics supply chain, right? Then who's the chief? Who's chief? Who's captain? <laughs> My wife, <laughs> you know, I'm the boss, and she's the big boss. No, I mean, uh, so it, within Elcott, okay, that's in my personal life. Within within Elcott, I mean, it, I, yeah, I I guess if you look strictly at the shares, I would probably be the majority shareholder if you put all the different shares together. Okay. But we never, I mean, I'm I'm always I feel very uncomfortable to to talk in such terms like sh- uh, boss or manager or chief because I I never really think like that. And I think the moment that somebody thinks like that, that's the end of their business because, I mean, unless you think, okay, I'm the boss, which means I am fully accountable and responsible for everybody, which I think is the right mindset. <laughs> um, otherwise, it's it's just a negative. Uh, if you think that you have some sort of superiority, I think it's just wrong. So, By the way, you're, what, you're, what you're saying matches the website too, right? It matches because I'm, I'm studying you and I'm studying Alcott, you know, of course, yesterday and this morning getting ready for the podcast. I'm like, well... Okay. See, who's? I can't. Is there an org chart? I'm trying to figure out who's in charge. So, you, so you're you're purposely on the website, pretty vague about it too. It matches what you're saying. So I, I appreciate that, and uh, I I love that that uh, thought process. Yeah, it's great. You're you're the people you work with must love that. I'm sure they love that culture. I'm, I'm guessing. So look, I, I I'm just coming off the back of a coffee, right? Half an hour ago with somebody that's joining our future. Managing director of Switzerland, right, Faye, um, and uh, and I was talking to her, right, and I mean one of the main reasons she decided to join us, right, and she's you know ex big recruitment, and she was global head of talent acquisition for a very large consulting firm, and she's at that stage of her life, right, 25, 30 years of experience, and I actually asked her, so why did you decide to join us, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that you could have done, and then she said something to the extent of paraphrasing, I am at a point where I want to have fun. Like, yes, of course, work and, and, and all of that. But you, you guys seem to be having fun. 
Good. And and I think that's that's what we are about in Elkot, right? We are about working hard but having fun. And it's also about keeping that sense of individuality, right? So mm. okay, I'll use maybe okay, okay, maybe I can't use say, but there's a lot of companies. Let's let's keep it more generic because otherwise I'm gonna point fingers and I don't want to do that. But there's a <laughs> lot of companies in this world which go to the extent of even telling their staff what to post on social media, what not to post, all this kind of crap, which definitely just kills individuality and creates Xerox machine copies. Nothing wrong necessarily. I mean, there's models and models in this world, right? And probably if you're in Walmart, you don't necessarily want every single staff of Walmart to be wearing wearing whatever they like, right? Fair enough. But we are in a people's business, in the services business, and by and large, that's also my personality and the belief as well as my other partners. And I want all the people in Elcot to be to have their own individuality within Elcot. So simple example on social media, and you're gonna, you know, if you follow us on LinkedIn or whatever, you're gonna see that everybody's posting by and large their own opinions, their own thought processes, and there's nothing scripted or there's no entity or PR or marketing that's gonna look at what are they doing to make sure that it's in line with the corporate. Uh, values or whatever. So that, uh, Steve, I think is a big, big differentiator and people can see, sense, feel that, you know, we are a team that likes working together, has fun, as well as delivers. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not just saying that we're just going to party every day. We work hard and we <laughs> would say are, are faster to action and to deliver and to execute than most. But at the same time, that with having fun goes hand in hand in my mind. You know, I had a recruiter on the podcast uh, a while back, and it was a great interview. Got it posted. One of her bosses at the company she works for made us take it down. Keep in mind, she didn't even hardly talk about the company she works for. It was just all personal stuff about her life and her beliefs and her opinions on various things that didn't have anything to do with the company. And her bosses called us and asked us to take it down. And she, and she wanted, and so she called and said, well, I better take it down or I'm getting in trouble at my company. And I thought, wow, I was like, is that really who you want to work for? I mean, come on, that, that's the culture you want to be part of. I mean, that's crazy. So I appreciate you, you bringing that up. Thank you. Can you give us, um, by the way, for the listeners, even though Radu is technically the competition for Ryder Flex, I like him and he's on the podcast. So I want to make sure I'm pitching his company. It is allcottglobal.com allcottglobal.com um can you give us the three minute elevator pitch go for it for allcott what do you do what do you specialize in why should why should companies use you go for it yeah so well i don't need three minutes (laughs) we connect the supply chain ecosystem so the vision of elcott is to connect the supply chain ecosystem and by and large, we're actually not just doing that through recruitment, but yes, recruitment oh. and executive search is your audio. Job. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, Radu. Hold on, right there. I wanna I don't wanna I don't want I wanna make sure we edit that. Let something happens on. Tap your tap your lap something. Okay, give me a test. Say something. Yeah. There um, we go, one, two, there one, we go two, right one. there. Okay, okay. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Brianna edit that because I wanna because your pitch is that's a good one. Let me do that again. <clears throat> Radu, give me the uh, overview for Alcott Global real quick. Tell us what you guys specialize in and why people should call you. Go for it. So uh, Alcott Global is by and large a connector organization. So we say that we connect the supply chain ecosystem. What does that mean? So firstly, let's start with the basic supply chain. End-to-end supply chain 
which is four pillars. Plan, source, make, deliver. So pretty much everything you and me buy in a supermarket is being planned, sourced, made somewhere, and then delivered to that supermarket. So that's what Elkut Global does. It focuses on that and uh, those four pillars. And then we do that through, and connecting that ecosystem, we do that through recruitment. We do that through our supply chain academy that we build an online program to educate professionals within supply chain on how to up their games, their skills, and to be technically in line with all the new developments. And thirdly, we also do that through a combination of, we have our All-Stars in Supply Chain, which we are launching in two months. I'll, I'll tell you more about it. We have a podcast, our own podcast, which again, we have some of the top CEOs. And yeah. Your connection, your connection, I'm losing your, your connection is, is fading on me there a little bit. Damn it. I do. Can you hear me? Ah, ah. Oh, Steve. Yeah, you're 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 fading on me there a little bit. I got there's too many there's too many too many people in the hotel streaming videos. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, sorry about it. yeah, it's fading on me a little bit. Where did there. I where did I break up? Okay, I want to make sure because we, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to kind of piece that together, which we'll take care of. Um, let's do the. Uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask you about the podcast because that's kind of where it really just. Uh, yeah. 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 And Radu, tell me about the podcast uh, that you got. What, you, talk to me. Um, so, look, the, the podcast, the podcast was was really a project that started because we wanted to give access to very senior people uh, to everybody. So we wanted to, if you want, democratize knowledge. <laughs> Maybe it sounds a bit too fancy, but that's what we wanted. I was, I was, I was going to all these conferences, right? And one, what, what I realized is actually CEOs and chief supply chain officers and chief operations officers hardly go. They don't have so much time. So that's one. Two, if they indeed went, typically their presentations were fairly politically correct and fluffy. What do I mean? It's commercials where they said how great they are. They don't really talk about what doesn't work, right? So they, they weren't really keeping it real. Again, corporate compliance and God knows what, right? So on the back of that, I said, hey, why don't I start a podcast where, one, because we work with these people anyways, right? Yes. I can invite them. And then yes. I control the narrative and the questions. Right? <clears throat> and anybody can listen to it, right? You don't need to pay a lot of money to go to that conference, nor I mean, some, some of them you don't even have access. So that was the intent. And uh, yeah, now we're 120 episodes. We've had some of the biggest CEOs, CSTOs, CEOs on the planet. And also, uh, I've gotten better at asking harder and harder questions and forcing them to keep it real, right? Uh, I love it. In truthfulness, most of them, because also that's how we invite them, most of them I know would keep it real because that's why I invite them, right? Because I know them. Um, and then keeping it authentic, genuine, open, challenges plus opportunities type right what works plus what didn't work for them that's what adds a lot a lot of value for the audience i love it yeah we do the same on the rider flex podcast same thing you got to keep it real you know human authentic that's what people want to hear listeners don't want to hear fluffy dry corporate pitches without anything personal and just you know it's just boring boring nobody <laughs> um do you guys uh, at Alcott do you do I mean do you step outside of supply chain I mean if somebody called and said hey I want a CEO for I don't know a, a food and beverage company would you do it 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, so, so supply chain for us means any company. So we, we do CEO um, as long as it's for manufacturing related or supply. So supply chain, if it's a food company, they manufacture that food, right? So then I see. basically it's a supply chain job, actually. I see. But not right a SaaS. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't do a CEO for a SaaS company. No. Unless oh. SaaS in supply chain. Unless it's software as a, as a service within supply chain, right? So you have companies like uh, SAP, right? They have all their solutions are more or less in supply chain. Not that we work with SAP, but just as an example, right? You have, I don't know, Blue Yonder. You have uh, online solutions. You have uh, whatever, right? Uh, so that, that type of company, GT Nexus, yes, we work with them because they operate within supply chain. Okay. Microsoft, by and large, we don't touch. Or whatever, Google, by and large, we don't touch. Google supply chain, because Google actually has a supply chain solutions arm. There we do. I see. And how about yourself? Now that you uh, have a bunch of team, how many people involved? Total, total people, uh, total uh, members, partners, employees, whatever you're calling them. No, right now we're about 25. Okay. And now that you're, you've got it to that level, are you just, are you primarily now just biz dev client relations? Or are you still actually doing some recruiting yourself? What is your role now that the company's at, at this size? Uh, so depending on geography, there's like, so I'm managing two big chunks, right? Which is Asia and Europe. And then we have some other managing partners for some other parts of the world. Um, but no, I'm, I'm pretty much involved in, you know, certain jobs, right? So I, I'm, of course, much more perhaps, um, how to say, picky in terms of where I get my hands uh, very, very much hands on. But no, I'm doing at least a few jobs now. I mean, at least five <laughs> to give you a sense, right? C level okay. Myself. Okay. Um, now, always when uh, you know when you work on this, you, there is also a research team helping me. So I'm not I'm not doing it all by myself. But I am driving candidate interviews and client interviews and client engagement, everything right from start to finish. Okay. Um, and yes, of course. At the same time, yes, I guess my bigger picture focus is to um, to maintain and to develop um, more and more. Uh, very uh, let's say strategic relationships, client relationships, as well as to develop continue to develop our services and offerings beyond just search um, to truly consolidate that position as an ecosystem player and as an ecosystem um, uh, connector, right? So that's why we're developing the training and education. We're developing the content piece. We had, you know, the, the book that is being finalized now that has taken a lot of work. And I think that will be super exciting and help a lot of people. So I'm involved in all of those. Uh, what's the book? What, what's the name of the book? We just we just decided the name of the book literally two <laughs> two three days ago. The book will be called From Source to Sold. Um, again, supply chain supply chain words. So, that, but the subtitle, which is for everybody to understand, is uh, is stories in leadership in supply chain. Uh, basically, it's a compilation of twenty six careers. We have twenty six executives across the world, right, from board level DHL to CEO of Volvo Cars to Chief Supply Chain Officer of, uh, Chief Operations Officer of Danone, and they tell their own career stories and how and what made them successful. 
And basically, the book is about documenting that as well as us, myself and Knut, uh, which is a partner in McKinsey Supply Chain. We give a couple of uh, advice and our own sharings and conclusions after talking to all these very smart people in terms of what can a future student in supply chain or early career in supply chain or mid-career do to be successful as well as uh, we hope uh, even seasoned executives can learn a thing or two from reading this. I love your hustle, my friend. I mean, you, you've you built a company, you've acquired now 20, 25 people that are involved with it. You're still doing recruiting yourself. You're still hustling, going on the road, jumping into hotels, meeting clients, and somehow in your spare time, wife, kids, and writing a book. So yeah, you're, you're, you're a hustler, which I appreciate, man. I, I love that. I, you know, people, I, I meet people all the time and, and they'll ask me, well, well, how, why is this person successful? Why is that, you know, why is that person successful? And I, I'm saying, I, I always tell them, I'm like, look, sometimes people get lucky, but most of the time it's hustle. People are busting their ass trying to make sure that they make it. And I can tell you have a lot of energy. You have a lot of positive energy. And I can tell you're, you're getting up every day, hustling, making it happen. Thank you. <laughs> well, look, I mean, again, keeping it real, Steve, right? I mean, I think days and days and <laughs> there's shit days as well yeah so i mean it's not yes. everything the sun is super bright but uh but by and large i think we're and luck always plays a part i, I think a little so, bit I, I think where most people and especially the young and i was young and i i had the same mindset yes yeah, so i had to learn all the time myself um you know there's the saying work smart not hard uh the shit it is right i think it's try to do both um try to do both and there's a lot safer bet on hard. I mean, okay, unless you're dumb, but hard is you can control. Smart, well, it's subjective. <laughs> and you're not really going to know, right? <laughs> After a while, you're going to know whether you were smart or not, right? And depending on if you succeed or not, right? But um, hard, you can control, right? So hard is within everybody's control. And typically, the harder you work, the faster you learn, and then you can become smarter, right? So Love too it. many people think... Somehow there's a shortcut. I thought myself. There are I no shortcuts. Done. No, there are no shortcuts. <laughs> I want to ask you um, if, you know, both of us deal with clients all the time, right? And, and you know, sometimes we have 30 recruiters involved now uh, at Rider Flex. And, you know, we get on the team calls and, you know, the recruiters are like, oh, my God, this client is messy. And this, this that client's messy. I tell them, I'm like, look, every company to a certain degree is a little bit messy. Okay. There are no perfect companies that are super clean with perfect communication. Okay. Get that out of your head. <laughs> uh, if you could give three pieces of advice to a company getting ready to hire their first outsource uh, vendor for recruiting, they've, they've never used a, a recruiting firm before they're getting ready to, and you could probably write a book about it, but what three things would you tell them on this podcast? Like, hey, if you're getting ready to use a recruiter, please do this, Mr. Client, Mrs. Client. Um, so let's see. So first I would, I would uh, if I was the client myself, right, I would make sure that I do, uh, just like when you have a heart surgery, yeah? Because again, I'm talking C level, yeah. So let's because uh, again, if you're hiring the C level for your organization, it is literally heart surgery. Good point. Like you get it wrong, you can die. <laughs> so uh, um, I would just make sure, just like you and me would, if we go to a doctor, that you do your ref checks. You don't just Google. 
<laughs> who's the best heart surgeon in the area? Oh, yes, Mr. X, let me go for him, right? I mean, you would ask around, no? I mean, you would say, hey, man, I mean, have you, you know, who has had heart surgeries? What have you? So first step, I mean, do back checks, like do proper and make sure that whoever you select, depending on your, what you're looking for and depending on the areas and the specialization based on functions and industries and all of those good stuff, right? But make sure it's a really good damn recruiter <laughs> in that area. So that's, I would say, number one. Um, number two, look, like anything in life, again, back to the doctor analogy, it is, you got to trust, right? I mean, you, you know, you can do your background checks, your ref checks, your whatever. If you made up your mind, then trust and give trust to that per person and partner, right? I mean, unless it's a trusted relationship, it ain't going to work. Mm. Also trust, usually, I mean, we, I don't know about you guys, we, we only work on retainers, right? On now, it is, I'm not saying that that's the only model, but and I'm not saying it has to be the only model. But by and large, I would say that trust, uh, you know that you're in a trusted relationship it's ex if it's exclusive. You as a client should be ready to say, look, I trust this person. I trust this company. I'm going to work exclusively on a, or, or on a retainer because that's that's how you get your best bang for the buck, actually. I, yes. It drives me nuts. When there's HR or whoever that thinks somehow that if you give it to three, whatever, I've seen as crazy as 10. Um, I give it to 10 recruiters and I'm going to get more CVs. The hell you are. You're going to get maybe more shit CVs, yeah? Uh, but nobody's really going to work on your job, right? They're going to give you only what they happen to have available and you're never really going to get the quality that that takes from digging and really looking because nobody, no recruiter will put in the work unless it's a trusted relationship either, right? It's a, it's a give Bingo. and take. It's a Bingo. Bingo. And, and let's just pause right there. And I've done, I've done many episodes on the topic of contingency versus retained. And, you know, I'm sorry if I'm offending any contingency firms out there, but most of the time it's just shit. I mean, all they're doing is throwing resumes over the fence. They're not putting in the time because there's no relationship. There's no commitment. There's no exclusive. There's no retainer. So you got, re you got recruiters that aren't really vested and they're just kind of, okay, I'll toss a few resumes over, but they're not going to do good work. I mean, it would be like the heart surgery thing, right? It would be like, Hey, um, doctor, tell you what. I want you to do heart surgery around me and I'll pay you after if you do a good job and if I'm happy with it. <laughs> yeah. If I didn't die. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what kind of doctor are you going to get? Right. You're not going to get the good doctor. And so, you know, it's, yeah, the, if you're listening to this episode and you're running a company and you're using contingency firms to hire VPs and executives, I, I'm telling you, you're getting shitty service. You're getting watered down service and you could get so much better and save you a lot of time because the exclusive firm like Alcott, they're going to send you good finalists, like several, two, three, four people that can do the job. They're not just going to toss a resume over and be like, oh, what about this? Per what about this person? What about this person? <laughs> yeah, we could do. Yeah, you got to come back to the show. We could do, we could do a whole episode on contingency versus retained. I get I get fired up on that topic too. It really gets me wound up. Uh, and the same thing goes for what you said too. You, then you get a little HR person, right? Some like two year HR person inside the company after your team has presented a CEO and somebody over on the HR side is like, well, I noticed on the resume that they don't have this and don't. Have, and you're like, okay, you're like, 
listen, Mary, will you just please get out of the way and let me talk to the CEO that I need, or let me talk to the board to present this candidate. Like you're just, you're wasting time. <laughs> I'm with Sorry, you. I'm, I'm, but, venting. But, I'm venting. I'm venting. I'm, you got me, you got so me look, rambling. So look, but, but let me, let me perhaps complete the picture a little bit, right? Because I, I was, you know, I, I feel your pain. I've been there. I, I still am there sometimes, right? But I think also if we had to flip from where we stand, right? You and me as recruiters. Yeah. We also should choose our clients. Like, uh, so, you know, back to, yes. uh, back to work hard versus smart, right? So yes. ultimately, yes. look, yes. you don't have control whether Mary or John from HR will sign a retainer or not. That's not within our control, right? But what is within our control is to say, look, I mean, if you don't want to sign, the world is big. <laughs> and go use whoever X, Y, Z that you can. And and uh, yeah. and I, I'm almost like to the point and maybe sharing some secrets. I don't think it's any secret, to be honest. But um, we, we are at the point right now uh, where, and I mean, it might sound arrogant. It's going to sound arrogant. But if I, if I get asked, like, why should we use you? My genuine answer is, look, Mr. Klein, I don't know. Like, if you, if I am here in front of you, so we haven't done business development or sales in three, four years, because what we do, get referrals. We focus, referrals is one, but we focus on putting out a lot of content, a lot. So the way that we get business is because people see something or hear or yep. today, uh, not today, yeah, uh, Monday when it was Monday, two days ago, I got a call from an HR. It was referred by the CEO who I had, I had met four years ago. And the gentleman had been following us on LinkedIn ever since. Beautiful. And now, Beautiful. after Beautiful. four years, he got his HR to call us for a CC job, right? So, I mean, when I get asked, and the lady asked me, so why should we use I'm like, okay, wait. <laughs> like, you came to me, right? Like, I mean, if you still ask me, why should, I don't know. Like, why did you call me? Like, I, I, I mean, you should know why to use me or not. Like, I mean, I, if you don't know, what can I possibly tell you? Oof, what good one. exactly can I possibly tell you that none of the other recruiters are going to tell you? So if you still don't know, I mean, Google us. I don't know. Ask other people. I, I don't know. Do what you <laughs> I love do. it. Don't ask me to convince you because I, I can't, firstly, and I won't because that's why we put out content so that you should know what we do. If you don't love know, it. then what can I tell you? Oh, Radu, I love that. I would just add two things to that. And, and, and if you're listening to the podcast, I also recommend don't spend a lot of time trying to oversell and convince somebody to use your service. You, you meet them, you tell them what you do, you show them your results. If they, if they want your service, great. If not, move on, move on. Don't wait, don't burn a lot of minutes trying to convince somebody. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. And the other thing is what you just said is if you own a service business, if you're running any kind of service business, the, when you get to the point where you can say no, to a prospect and you can say now thanks anyway i don't want to do business with you that is a magical pivot point because then you're now you're in a, a place where you can pick and choose your clients and you can work with good people nice people clients that are going to pay you on time clients that are going to you know not be messy and crazy um when you get to that point at running a service business it's really a magical point and uh and you need to be brave enough to say no i don't want to work with you mary no, I thanks anyway, Johnny. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. Yeah. I mean the, the saying the saying, and it took me a while to realize it. My first boss many, many years ago taught me this. It's memorable, Steve. Are you ready? 
Don't try to teach a pig to sing. It irritates you and it frustrates the pig. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. I'm using that one. I'm taking that line. Okay. We're going to, we're going to wrap up with that line right there. But before we go, um, I, I have to ask you this totally switching gears on a, on a personal level here real quick, just because you're from Romania, I, I have to ask you, you know, thoughts on the whole Russian Ukraine thing. I know that's kind of outside the lines question, but you're kind of from that area. You probably know a lot of people that are being affected. How do you look at it? I'm just curious how you look at the situation and do you have any thoughts on what should be different or what should be done? I'm just curious if you don't mind me asking. No, uh, and I, I don't, uh, yeah. I, and I think we are all affected. I would argue that all of us, all of, I mean, today point. I posted something on um, on LinkedIn on inflation. Okay. Inflation and, you know, you, me going to the supermarket, wherever we are, uh, bear yes. in mind, wherever we are, you are in US, I'm in Europe, wherever, Africa, you name it. It is still linked to the fact that, well, one, I mean, we've had COVID, two, we've had whatever other shit, but three, there's that war that is, I mean, price of anything pretty much agricultural related. Well, it's Ukraine and Russia where we get a lot of that food coming from, right? So that has gone through the roof. Plus, because of the war, the price of fuel and gas and all of that with Russia, right, has gone through the roof. So it's affecting all of us. I, I don't see any company or any person in this, per I mean, more or less. I, uh, so now me being Romanian, so basically, I don't know, 300 kilometers from the war, depending on where I am in Romania, 200 kilometers. Uh, okay, so, I mean... <laughs> I think it's, it's by and large, it's a very sad situation. Like, I, I think it's a lose-lose situation. I, yeah. One, uh, obviously, I have very strong negative feelings, not about Russia in general, but about Putin. Uh, I, I think he's a madman that has, you know, he, 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 <laughs> I, I think he just has too much power and he went a little bit nuts in his own mind and he doesn't talk to anybody. But okay, that's just me. I, I, I don't know the guy, obviously, right? But that's just me. But secondly, I mean, what's there to win? Like, there's so much destruction and human loss and people dying and, you know, both on the Ukrainian side and Russian side, right? They're losing. And if anything, politically, right now, Finland and Sweden is going to go into NATO. So he's achieved zero. Like, he has jack shit achievements in this war, right? Because he's actually, okay, fine, if he argues that that particular area where there's more Russians in Ukraine and then but he's destroyed it. Like he has destroyed the bloody thing. So who, who wants to live there? Like it's mm. so mm. makes zero sense. If we think logically, I mean, of course, there's always these things are not logical. No war in this planet has been logical. It's just sad. It's a sad mm. situation. Yeah. There's going to be, you know, tremendous consequences on human. There's already been, um, that, that will take a long, long time to heal. And then economically, yes, it's just putting a, putting, fuel to the to a fire that that you know i mean we are we i think we are already in a recession yes it's just oh, yes. Don't, don't call it they haven't because they have a definition for recession which is two quarters of i don't know what steve <laughs> you know we are already there yes you know it's just look it's overdue i mean this thing's up go down it's normal life right but it's just accelerating and i i don't know what the bottom will be this time around right so i think that is something that consider it may be safe for the dark days that are coming so that's in in short. Uh, I hope they they could find a way to, to to mitigate peace. That would be my hope. I know every single day I get another email from one of our vendors that says the raising prices. I mean, it seems like 
everybody's raising prices. <laughs> yes, we're going to definitely. How not to? Because all the costs have gone up, right? From yes. raw materials to transport to fuel to you name it, to services has gone up. So how yes. could you possibly not raise prices? Agreed. Agreed. Radu, thank you. I know we're out of time. I would like to ask you one more thing offline here after we hit after we hit stop on the recording. Really appreciate you being on the Rider Flex podcast, my friend. I'd love to have you back on uh, so we can go deeper into clients and candidates and talk. We, we didn't get a chance to talk about candidates and advice for candidates and things, which I wanted to get into, but I know we're out of time today. Thank you, sir. Congratulations on what you're doing over at Alcott to you and your team. Really appreciate it. Thanks for being on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Steve.